Today on Rolling with New York Mike. We could talk about Gunny Claws. Gunny Claws, just a little bit. A lot of the toys for tots, the Marinko toys for tots. You dress up, you wear your red outfit, the whole thing, your DI hat and, and everything else. And you, you spend so much time collecting toys and bringing toys to kids for Christmas all over the place. You're known as Gunny Claws. Welcome to Rolling with the most patriotic man I know, my husband. And now, his podcast, Rolling with New York Mike. Get on the ride. All right, Rolling with New York Mike. And today is going to be a special day. I've got a, a friend who's a guest star on Rolling with New York Mike and Bar. My buddy, man. Bar is like... Man, we've been, we've known each other long, to over twenty years since you bought San Diego Harley. That's ninety three. Yeah. How many times? How many times did we ride together up to Sacramento? I mean, we got stories. We're gonna we, we, get we did in, that first ride. We're gonna get into the stories. We're yep. gonna get there. We're gonna talk about. Bar is a retired United States Marine. He's he's just a cool dude, man. But there's a lot more about Bar we're gonna talk about. But first, I want to tell you, Bar came out here. I was honored on Saturday. My wife, my wonderful, amazing wife, Katrina, decided, I don't know, she said she's been working on it for almost a year, getting my plaque on Mount Soledad, which was an honor and a, an amazing thing. Now, she kept it from me. That's the amazing part. That, 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 really, <laughs> that really is amazing. She kept it from me. She was working on this. I think what happened was last year... The, all my combat controller friends, we, we came up to Mount Soledad. Every year there's a reunion in Vegas, guys right in. We went to Mount Soledad and decided to put a plaque up. And we were talking about that. I've been talking about it all year. It's going to go up on April 26th of this year. It's going to honor all the combat controllers who've died. And so we, we've been talking about, unbeknownst to me, the conversation between my buddy Mark Navad and, and, and all the other guys about that plaque, I guess it entered Petrina's devious mind. I love yep. her. She And she just, she was doing this. Now, it's not easy to do, no. but it, it's so important. It, 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 it's such an honor to me. And it's not something I would have done on my own, wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought of it, but it's important because, and, and I don't know if I said this on Saturday, but let me say this. People came in from all over. And I, I, I'm really honored about that. People showed up. It was pouring rain. It was miserable. It was and raining sideways. It was raining. Because <laughs> <laughs> one side of me was wet and one side of me was dry. Well, there was no side of any <laughs> other people that were dry. But the week before and, and they predicted rain, I found out about this about a month ago when I went to Snowman. I love Snowman. Yeah. And his birthday party at the American Legion, which he's the president of that American Legion. Right. He's also the president of the Boost Fighters Motorcycle Club here in San Diego. Yeah. I mean, he's just a, an amazing guy. And I went to his birthday party and he said, Mike, this is a little over a month ago. And he said, Mike, what's going on in Mount Soledad on, on uh, February 25th? You're involved. What's going on? I go, I don't know, man. But that was about maybe second or third thing I had heard. So I get home that night and I say, honey, is there something going on in Mount Soledad? <laughs> she goes, oh, I can't believe you found out somebody, you know, they, they were not supposed to tell you and all that. So I, I get a sense of it. But, but she said, just just let me handle it. I said, okay, whatever's going on. And, of course, 
the plaque had to be approved. This is a big process. And the amazing part is, I, at the day before Friday, I'm at the recruit depot for graduation. I see my old boss, Lieutenant Colonel Anthony, and he asked me why I was in town. And I said, yeah, I'm going over to Mount Soledad because you're getting your plaque there. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I approved that plaque. I'm on the committee. <laughs> I'm like, what, a, what a world this is, you know? There was a, listen, getting that plaque, getting it approved, getting, I mean, it's a big process. Petrina handled the whole thing. Not only that, but the people from the cross committee that handled it, Sean and all the rest of it, another retired Marine, they did an amazing job and they couldn't stop thanking me for Petrina and, you know, and saying what, what, how, what a great job that, you know, she's done all this time to get this done. Yep. But up there, um, the, the, the important thing to me was to let people know, not only is it an honor for me to be there, but fighting to save the cross on Mount Soledad since the lawsuit by the ACLU. I was living out here when that was happening. Yeah. And was, I remember it happening and, and, you know, doing whatever I could to help you and anybody else that, that was fighting for that. But, you know, being in the Marines and you're not a resident, you're not voting, you know, people don't like listening to you because you're not going to put money in their pocket. Because <laughs> you're not going to, you know, you're not going to bribe them. You're, you're so gonna, jaded. You're politicians, <laughs> man. <laughs> well, Phil Paulson was the... Um, guy that was the lawsuit it was yeah. his lawsuit yep. but it was all done by the aclu they yeah. just grabbed a combat vet who lived up there was offended by a cross and i knew phil paulson i was trying to tell the story and i mean i'll save it for i think i've talked about it on the podcast but i'll, I'll save the I rest that, of it that, that happening and you know the rumors going around that if they take that one down what about all the crosses in arlington what about all the crosses that for for all the other fallen veterans soldiers through all the wars and and, and that, are they going to tear all those up and put something else in well and, and it's all that and more and and in the process what we tried to do is make them understand this is a war memorial yeah i'm a veteran this is a war memorial i'm i'm jewish i'm not christian i'm not offended by the fact that 1954 they decided that the the symbol was going to be across that's that's what the people in the town of, of La Jolla did. Yeah. Now, there were no Jews in La Jolla. We weren't allowed in La Jolla. Jonas Salk, the, the creator of the Salk vaccine to save us from polio, moved there, established the Salk Institute. Right. And they wouldn't even let him join the local clubs. They wouldn't let him bring his clothes to the local cleaning store. That's how much. But that's what was approved then. And as a war memorial... And they're saying, no, it's not a war memorial, it's just a cross. So we established events. We did events. We yep. celebrated Veterans Day events. We had other things. And then somebody said, you know, what we should do, we should have plaques put on the on the walls, on, on the steps leading up to the cross. Yep. Plaques honoring those who served and those who are in service today. So so. The plaque concept, there's, there's no other war memorial that I know of in the country that has a plaque with the, the name of that person who either passed or was serving or whatever, honoring a person. And so now there are thousands of plaques. Yeah. And I've seen bricks, you know, yeah, the Marine Corps exactly. sign. We'll, we'll, we'll get a brick and we'll put our name on it. 
and it'll be put into a walkway somewhere or, or a building somewhere, something. But these plaques, I mean, there's, it's amazing because there's pictures. You see who the person is. Yes. And you get to read what they did. And so you get the, the real feeling of the person. Because if you just see a name, it doesn't mean too much to you. But then you see the face and you see the symbols and you see it all and you're like, wow. And, 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 and Mount Soledad was the first place I I know of and the only place I, I, don't I know, know of any others. that, that they're has sure, they're, that. They're so, not in New York, that's for sure. So for me, that my wife did that, undertook that, without me knowing it, but it's an honor to be up there, not only because it's my plaque, but because it's part of what established Mount Soledad as a war memorial yep. to help us in this battle, and it was an ongoing battle. I tell people often that Mount Soledad's a miracle because we lost the lawsuit in 1989 because we weren't prepared. Nobody yep. expected to lose a lawsuit like that, yep. and then we did. Then we had appeal after appeal after appeal, and then in 2005, of course, the city council voted to take it down. They were being fined $3,000 a day. And then, you know, I put in a petition that, you know, it's a long story. I've gone into it before. I won't do it again. But me and Roger Hedgecock and his attorney put it together. And, and the first words were, you can help save our cross. So to be up there and to have that is a huge honor. My, my wife stressed all week because of the prediction of rain. And, and it was like, a, it's going to rain on Saturday, 100%. Whoever expected that? But, but so many people came. So many people flew in. My friends from Texas and Barr, you came in from Albany, New York. And, and I so appreciate it. And I, I just want to say yeah, this. I, I, I was... I didn't know if you'd figured it out yet or not. No, I hadn't. And so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there and, you know, I, I've been in town a day or so. And all of a sudden I get a text from you. Hey, you're in town. What are you doing? We got to meet up. You know, and I'm like, okay, I got, I got to have a cover story here. So, you know, I had already worked out the cover story. I was going to the Recruit Depot for a graduation and I was going to do some other stuff. I did a podcast up in Newport Beach. So that when we're chatting, if you hadn't figured it out yet, you hadn't gone through all the smoke yet, that I wasn't going to be the one to let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> well, I want to say this. I want to say it's so important. When I, when I got there, I realized, and I thought about this before, you know, Robert Patrick and myself and, and Mark Navat, my, my, my comeback controller friend and others, and we've had podcasts and talked about the fact that the most important thing we could do in this country today is bring God back, back into the fabric of America. We're losing that. And I, I thought about it up on Mount Soledad. I'm saying this to myself. Why are we fighting to save a cross on a war memorial if that's what was chosen what why is it why is it a problem it, it, it separation of church and state shouldn't mean that you keep the church you keep religion out of the state it should mean you keep the state out of religion right and that's but we need to reinterpret that the in the thing constitution is, is, is the state realizes how strong the church is in keeping people connected. And so if you look at other countries and where they've destroyed the people, they've taken everything from the people, The first, one of the first things they go after is the religions. Of course, and the second thing is the guns. So, you know, you, you, you look at, you know, before World War II and, and, the, and the National Socialist Party took over 
in Germany. One of the things they did is they got rid of religion. You look at what happened in you know, the Bolsheviks when they took over Russia. One of the first things they did is they got rid of religion. You look in China and you look at these giant statues that used to be there for Buddha and, and, Ma, uh, and, and, and uh, the other Chinese. Uh, Confucius. Confucius, right. Confusing me with Confucius. And, you know, the first thing that they did was they tore all those down. When the Taliban took over in in Afghanistan, the first thing they did was destroy all the religious statues. This is, like you're saying, this is the thing, this is a fabric that helps us keep ourselves together. It interwines us and interweaves us. And when we lose it, you know, then you got people, you know, have nothing in common. And they're like, well, F them over there because they're different. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Here we are, a country established by, by this belief that our rights are given to us by our creator. And and yet, we don't understand how important it is to, to keep alive our belief in our creator and a God. And people, we talk about, you know, the Judeo-Christian, under, you know, that, that was the underpinning of, of, what, of what the belief in freedom in America was, a belief in freedom of speech, freedom of religion. And, and people say, I mean, well, you know, what about all these other religions? Look, I'm, I'm only familiar with the, the founders of this country and their, their belief in the Judeo-Christian Bibles and, and the history and all that. My introduction to the Muslim world, I'm sorry, it was 9-11. I didn't know a lot about the, their religion of those people. Didn't have a lot my, of friends. My favorite thing is when I, when I talk to somebody and we get on the religion of sub, religious subject, I ask them about what they know about the Muslims, what they know about the religion. And so one of the first questions I'll ask them, I was like, okay, we're talking about these big three. Where was Judaism founded? Where did Judaism start? What's the home of Judaism? And it's a simple one because most people understand Judaism, Jerusalem, Israel. So that's a simple one. They get that one nine, right. nine out of 10 times. Then I go, next, where and when did Christianity start? And I'll get one or two that will mess it up a little bit, but they all understand, once again, Jerusalem, Israel. Right. And then I get to, to, the, to the last one. And since the answer for the first two has been one place, and they've heard of the Crusades and they've heard of all these other things, they go, oh, yeah, it's the same place. It's Jerusalem. And I go, no, it's not. It's Saudi Arabia. It's Mecca. It's a couple Mecca. thousand miles away. Mecca and Medina. And they go, oh. And I go, so when a previous president said that Christians invaded Muslim lands, he had it backwards, didn't he? <laughs> the Muslims invaded and the Christians and Jews were trying to get back in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then I, I go into other things. I go, okay, uh, everybody's seen the movies of Dracula, Count Dracula. You know, there's been a bunch of them. And they go, yeah. Well, what's the real history behind that? Because there's actual a historical reason for this. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, he was in Europe. He was in Transylvania, right? Yes. Well, who was he fighting? What was, he, what was going on? And they're like, I, I don't understand. I go, Vlad the Impaler is the historical reason for Count Dracula. And he would impale the enemies on these huge stakes. And he was fighting. And the, this is the, the, the other thing that they do is they change the name of the enemy. So you don't know who the enemy is. And so when they talk about that and they talk about the history there, they say it was the Turks who were invading. Well, the thing is they forgot the word before Turks. They were Muslim Turks. Right. So Muslims were invading Christian lands. They were coming out of the Middle East and trying to invade Europe. Oh, that's well, that's news, news to me. It's like, yeah, because they don't want you to know that. They don't want you to know that these guys aren't peaceful. Then I ask them about another place. I go, hey, what, what about uh, El Cid? He was in Spain, wasn't he? They're like, well, yes, yeah, so. Well, who was he fighting? What was going on there? 
And they're like, well, I don't know. And I go, the Moors attacked and they took over part of Spain. Go, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that now, yeah. Well, who were the Moors? Oh, Muslims again. And they're like, what? Yeah, the Moors were Muslims. It's just a different name. They just switched names on you. And they're like, oh, geez, I didn't know that. You know, and then I go, okay. And this is the one that really gets everybody. I love this one. I go, what's the significance, you just mentioned it, of 9-11? And what's the significance to you? Everybody goes New York City. Right. And I go, no. Vienna, Austria, 1863. 400,000 Muslims attacked the Christian king of Austria. And the only thing that saved them was 10,000 Polish Hussars. <laughs> and so they, the Christians defeated the Muslims in the heart of Europe. If they had won, if they had defeated that city, there would be no Christians left in, in the world. They would have eradicated us. And then my final one is, how long has the United States been at war with Muslims? And I'll give you a hint. Give it's me the, a hint. It's in the Marines' hymn. From the halls of Montezuma to the, the shores of Tripoli. Tripoli, Libya. Yeah. But we call them Barbary pirates, right. not Muslims. So there's four different times that we've talked about Muslims attacking Christians, but we've used four different names. And so people can't put the four together and see that they're not peaceful, that they are trying to eradicate every other religion. And this is the scary part. I spent a year there. And so I saw the Shiites and the Sunnis. If they eradicate all Christians and they eradicate all Jews and they eradicate every other religion, those two religions are going to go at each other and they're going to keep killing each other until there's nothing left. They are not peaceful. Well, again, I, my only thing was, listen, you know, Judeo Christian, you know, as a as a country, founded on that. And again, I don't have anything against other religions. My introduction to the Muslim religion was nine eleven. Right. And I don't have the understanding of that history that you do, although I've read a lot about it. I I I I. I just didn't read the same way that you just described but that's the problem, it, but it makes because, sense. Because it's, they, they've used different names every time so that we don't put together the fact that it's been this, they've been expanding out of Saudi Arabia and they've been conquering and as they go, they, they, they kill and they murder. You know, the, the really big thing today, everybody talks about it, you know, is... is since we're in California, how many millions of dollars are we gonna, is California going to give back to people because of reparations, because of slavery? How many million dollars does the government want to give? Uh, whatever these right? idiots there, There's never been about. any slavery in California. It's, it was illegal before the, the, the state existed. Right. And so they, but they still want to do this. It's like, okay, that's crazy. Yeah, I can't figure out a lot about but California you, or its governor. Or so, but we go politics. back, we go back once into into history, and the term, the word "slave" is actually from Roman times. And the reason is they use that word is because the people they took from the Slavic region north of Greece were Slavics. And so when they took them, they made really good slaves. So the word Slavic became slave. And that's why we use today the word slave because of, of those people. Well, the well, Jews were slaves in Egypt. Yes, yes. But it, and, and there, every country, every religion, every culture around the world until very recently has had slavery in one form or another. Well, still recently. Listen to – look at the people coming across the southern border today. Yes, yes. I mean the sex slaves, the sex – Trade as they go, the sex trade again, changing the word. Yeah, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, and so um, as they expanded out of Saudi Arabia and they went across Africa, they gave people a choice: you can convert, and nothing will happen to you. You can pay dimitude, meaning you want to stay whatever religion you are, and you will pay them a fee, a fine, to be able to keep your religion and, and not convert. 
Well, the problem is, is the first time you pay, it's, it's like any extortion ring. The first time you pay, it's a dollar. The second time you pay, it's two dollars. The third time, it's three dollars. Until you can't afford it. And then you either convert, or they kill you. Or they make you a slave. And who do they sell them to? The Europeans. That's where the, the slave trade came from. The blacks, the, the, the Africans were, were selling each other to the Europeans under the guise of, of Islam. Wow. And, and they, made a, they just made a, a movie about it, and they completely washed over this. It was a, uh, the, the, uh, something queen about how the, the, the warriors in this one country were all female. And the king, you know, was, had these female warriors, and they just made this movie about it. And they don't talk that this whole country was based on slavery. They make these women look like great Amazon warriors, and they're doing great things. But they were in the slave trade, and that's how he stayed in power. Well, anyway, thanks for being here. Thanks for coming all the way from New York and, 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 and everybody else. And so, and so Barr's here, and we had a great day. Great, great day. day at Mount Soledad, and then, of course, we came here to Excalibur, my favorite cigar place. But I thought uh, your favorite one was in D.C. My favorite, <laughs> you know, but, and, and, and I love Shelley's back room in D.C. That's I love, great. I love I, I love too. Club Mac in, in New York, in yep. the city. There's some great cigar places all over. But Tom Kalasho is only here, the owner of this place, and, and this guy is such a great host. And it's, I, you know, you come here and you just feel like your family. It's just yep. the way he treats everybody. And so that's what makes, it's not the biggest. You go to Shelly's, man, you get some great food. Oh, God, I mean, yes. and you get food, you get liquor, you get everything in the world. You yep. get a great, but you, you don't get Tom and you don't get Fred. You, know? yep. <laughs> you don't get Rosita. I, you know, I came here with you and I was here for a few hours after the event. And, you know, I'm coming back in today, you know, and I come in. And he recognizes me. Yeah. And I don't look at all the same. I'm wearing a kilt right now, you know. So normally it throws people off and I don't get in the door. Yeah. But he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? Good to see you again. And I'm like, wow, the guy's good. Like he's this. great. He's great. And Petrina and her mom, they catered this whole thing here with the best food. I mean, that lasagna, yeah. the salad, the pizza, everything was great. And, of course, Tom is up there serving everybody as yep. if he's my uncle or something, yep. taking care of everyone. And, you know, again, so it, it was a great day and it's a good opportunity to spend a little time. Now, I see you every year at Rolling Thunder, which is now Rolling to Remember. You saw me at the last Rolling Thunder and I was, I was a moron because I've known you so long and, and you're such a good friend. I don't I don't think of you as the leader of Rolling Thunder. I don't think of you as being this worldly guy. I just think of you as my buddy. And so, you know, I pulled into the parking lot with a million other motorcyclists from across the country for the last Rolling Thunder. It's like 100 degrees out. You can't move. There's Everything's running out. And I, you know, I sent you that weekend, I sent you like five or six texts. And since there were so, so many people there, phone calls are being dropped, texts aren't making through, you know, and I finally get a message back from you. And like, I'm asking where you are. And you're like, you are a Marine. I'm in the front. I'm leading this. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And I get up there, and you're standing there, and Robert Patrick is there, and he's got a, a crowd of 20, 30 people around him wanting to take pictures and autographs and all that stuff. And I just want to talk to you, you know, and we're talking for a minute or two, and you're like, hey, you want a picture with Robert? And I'm like, no, I'm cool. I'm, I just want to see you. And you're like, oh, no, hell no. Robert, get over here. And I'm like, Mike, be chill, chill out a little bit, you know? And... He drops everything and he comes over and, you know, I don't ride with anybody. I don't belong to anybody. I'm, I'm just there. 
And, uh, you know, so I, I know a little bit about protocol. So, Robert, you're the guy, you, you get in the middle. And he's like, oh, no, no, you're in the middle. You're friends with Mike. And I'm like, wow, this is great. Mike is the greatest guy in the world. And so, I, you know, I got that picture. Jesus. And then I got I got the picture from us uh, last year at the new location with Rolling to Remember. And uh, last year I was in my uniform, my gunny claws. Yep. And, gunny uh, claws. I got a lot of attention out there. I'm gonna, If it's not raining, I'm going to be wearing it again this year. And... Uh, well, a couple of years ago, it was raining, and yeah. and, and you came in, and yeah, I had my rain gear right on, it, and, and I couldn't, uh, yeah. I couldn't do. Oh, that was it was. You great. got me to the front on that one. I, Once yeah, again, well, you, you had that American flag and the Marine Corps flag on and the, the bike. POW MIA flag. Yeah, yep. you did. Yeah, yep. and then and then you called me up after the parade because my picture got in the paper and yours didn't because <laughs> <laughs> you were right in front of me and they got my picture and. Uh, there's the saluting Marine, Tim Chambers, another yep. great guy. Another great He's guy. He's standing there. He's saluting me. You see my bike coming up. You see the three flags. And on my front windscreen, you see the word Semper Fi. Don't go to Florida because they think it's Semper Florida. <laughs> I, I joke you not. I joke, I joke you not. All capital letters except for the I. They think it's a lowercase L for some reason. And Floridians go, where's Semper Florida? <laughs> I'm like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I know where Semper Fi is. Oh my God! You said we go back to the early ninety ninety three when I when I bought San Diego Harley Davidson, and we made our first trip to go stay past the helmet law. Yep. In California, in January first of ninety two, it yep. went into effect. I've been here since eighty seven. I came out here. One of the reasons I picked California: I could ride my motorcycle, no helmet laws, a wonderful place. Even today, there's only nineteen states with helmet laws that, that mandate that you have to wear a helmet. Now, I might wear a helmet if it was or wasn't, didn't matter. But to have a law that tells you how to dress, that says you must wear a helmet, that so goes against what America is about. People complain about what, what the government did in COVID. All this, Well, if you let the government dictate things like how you dress, the next thing they're going to do, they're going to dictate that you have to wear a mask. And then you find out afterwards... The mask was useless. It was well, a the, facade. The, the, the thing that really bothers me, right? So I, I joined the Marine Corps in 1986, and the Marine Corps had just gone away from the steel pot, the World War II helmet. Right. And because the new Kevlar helmet that they came out with covered your head more and gave you more protection against shrapnel. It didn't protect against bullets, but if it was a small enough caliber and it was far enough away and it didn't have a lot of velocity, it could deflect it. It could sometimes stop it, right? And the military went from the World War II helmet that had a chin strap that actually went underneath your neck. Right. And the airborne units, which you belong to, yeah. didn't wear that. They actually had a chin strap that went on the end of their chin because even back then, the military realized that the type of chin strap that the general soldier wore that wasn't actually on the chin but underneath the neck would break your neck in a fall. Right. And so in 1985 or so, and they brought in the new helmet, they changed it, and they actually made the chin strap go on the chin. Right. So that they won't break anybody else's neck. It may break your jaw. You may, be, <laughs> you, you may have to eat through a straw for a little while, but you'll be alive. Right. And in my time in the Marine Corps, my 21 years in the Marine Corps, that helmet changed several times. The materials got lighter, the protection got better. When I retired, the helmet would actually stop an AK-47 bullet round one time. Wow. It would knock your bell, and you may, you may be you know, getting your butt off of the ground with, it, with whiplash, but it would save your life. Now, that will protect me better than any motorcycle helmet I can buy. 
on the market. Right. But it's illegal to wear on my motorcycle because it's Department of Defense and not Department of Transportation. Right. And the helmet that they want me to wear under the Department of Transportation is the same style and same design as that World War II helmet that you wore in Vietnam because it hasn't been updated. It hasn't changed. The requirement, FMS 218, hasn't been changed. And so you're wearing, and I, and I tell politicians this when I go and talk to them, I go, I'm, I'm wearing a piece of World War II equipment. But in, if I go to my car, it's got airbags, it's got automatic seatbelts, it's got side impacts, it's got anti-lock brakes, it's got safety glass. You know, you would not drive a 1950s car today on the roads and feel safe. But that's what they're doing to motorcyclists. And they're not update. They're not updating it because, and you know, this is me conspiracy theory time. <laughs> Motorcyclists think we're independent. We're not a part of the crowd. We're not following along like lemmings. And so they want us not to be around. And if they give us a helmet that's going to kill us, they don't mind. I mean, a friend of mine was hit in New York State. The driver fled the scene. Nothing happened to him. He got a thirty-five dollar ticket for failure to yield right away. And his excuse was, "I didn't see him." They always say that. And it's like, how can you get away with murder and and say I didn't see him? They always say that we're trying. To, we were trying to pass a, a bill, a law in New York State called a vulnerable users bill to make it safer for pedestrians, bicyclists, motorcyclists, anybody not in a car, not in a truck, and they won't pass it because motorcyclists are involved. And we and I, and I go in there and I talk to the legislators and, and I bring up the story of a 10-year-old boy being walking across an intersection with the crosswalk. His mother is holding his hand, walking him across, and a truck made a left-hand turn, struck and killed the boy in the crosswalk with the walk signal. And the truck driver first said the kid jumped over a snowbank and he couldn't stop. But fortunately, it was one of the few intersections that had a pedestrian camera. So the police were able to pull it out and see that they had the crosswalk, that they were in the crosswalk and they were legally crossing. Everything was in their favor. And then he changed it to, I didn't see him. And he got a $35 ticket for failure to yield right away. Wow. Well, there's a lot of controversy and there's things you and I don't agree about. I, I don't think helmets will necessarily kill you unless you wear a helmet that's restricting your peripheral view or- They do that. Some, some of them do that, you know. And, and yeah. I, I've I've crashed in totaled motorcycles without a helmet, with a beanie helmet. I've never crashed with a full face helmet, and uh, it's the only thing that scares me is because it will cripple you. Yeah, and and so what, what, whatever it is, it's your choice. And we should always have that choice. And I have friends, and and God bless them. Some of the, you and me have gone to Albany. We've gone all over. We've lobbied against helmet laws. But so has so many people and friends of mine who wear helmets all the time, who wouldn't get on a motorcycle without wearing a helmet, yeah. but they understand what I'm fighting for is the freedom Their to choice. make that decision. Yes. And when I used to go up there, I don't know if you remember, because I went all the time. I was state director of abate for 10 years. That's and there would be a member of California abate. Yep. And so there would be groups fighting for abortion rights and they call themselves choice. Yeah. And I'd say, no, 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 no. That's not a choice. A choice is a, that a, a hamburger or a tuna fish sandwich. Yes. That's, you're fighting for the right to kill a baby, to have an abortion. And you're only pro-choice from the waist down. Right. And we just ask for the choice. So, and, but they were as much against us 
as anybody else yeah. on the left yeah. because most of them are on the left. Yeah. And, and so we, we're fighting for that. Just a little history lesson. You retired from the Marine Corps after 21 years. You moved back to Albany where you're from. You've also been involved. You're the head of a bait of New York. You I was ran the state for president the, two years. You, you ran for the state assembly in New York. Ran for the state assembly three times. The first time I didn't even get on the ballot because having not been there and not been in any of the political parties in, in any of the systems, and I just showed up, both parties attacked me. Right. Because I wasn't one of the good old boys or I wasn't, you know, whatever. And so they both attacked me. Of course you're me. a bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, the third time I ran for New York State Assembly, I got around 30% of the vote. And for somebody who's not a Democrat in New York State, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'd say so. So, you I'd know, say I, so. I was making some changes. I was, I was pushing some buttons. I will run again. I was just approached by a party to uh, run in this upcoming election this November. I've been trying to work with three parties got kicked off the ballot by the previous governor, who shall not be named. <laughs> and his lieutenant governor has now taken over, and I hate everything about them, because to sit there and say the lieutenant governor didn't know what the governor was doing behind closed doors is complete BS. Right. They were, they were lockstep. They knew exactly what was happening. They were, they were enabling it. So I'm not really a fan of the current governor either. But so I've been trying to work with three of the parties that got kicked off the ballot to try and get a coalition together, those three, to get all their people behind and then get with one of the, the two main parties. There's four parties still on. Get one of those four parties, get one with one of them and, you know, push, push back on the government and get elected. The problem is the three that are that got kicked off are so divergent. They're so different that. And this is the worst part, is I'll sit down with him and I'll talk to him and I'll say, okay, what are your issues? Now, what are your issues? Because you're not just about helmet laws. You're a, you're a law and order guy. I was law enforcement in the Marine Corps, so I, I hate this this new bail reform that they did in New York. I hate that, that criminals are getting away with whatever they want. I was down in New York City during everything that was going crazy, and everybody's looking at everybody sideways because their mask isn't covering their nose or it's you know not covering their ears exactly. or whatever. But I, I see a guy, he's got a mask on, he's passed out on the street right outside of Penn Station. He's got a needle in his arm. He's got a mask on, but his trousers are down and everything's exposed and nobody cares because he's got a mask on. <laughs> and so... It's not funny, but... And it, it was, uh, I mean, you know, and, you know... It's so stupid. And, and so that was one of the things I was pushing back on. The government, you know, like you said, they're, they're, they're doing these things that, that have nothing to do with our safety. They're just there to oppress us and to make us get in lockstep and be afraid. Because once you're afraid, you can't think. And so, you know, that would, that would have been one of the things that I would have fought back about and I'm, I'm fighting back on now. Uh, Marcus Luttrell, the Navy SEAL who survived. Yeah. I just saw a video of him on YouTube. Uh, he went into his local VA uh, down in Texas and he saw that the VA is still mandating everybody wear a mask. They are. The I, just, I just left the VA here in La Jolla. And I had problems in my VA in Albany. I, I went in one time. And you have to go in, you got to ask, answer these stupid questions. And then, you know, you have to have the mask and you have to tell them where you're going. And so, you know, I may have given them a little bit, little bit lip, you know, back, but I, I answered all the questions and I did what I was supposed to do. And so I'm sitting in the waiting room to see, be seen by the doctor and two VA police officers walk in because supposedly I didn't answer the questions and I didn't put on a mask, et cetera, et cetera, when I came in the door. And then I looked at the two police officers and I go, we're on the eighth floor. How long did it take you to check all the other floors to get to the eighth to figure out this is where I'm at? <laughs> because 
I only came in the door 10 minutes ago. And they looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, well, they told me where you were. Well, then how did I not tell them where I was going? How did I blow by and not wear a mask? Oh, we're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Listen, man, there's so much that's wrong. Something's are elementary. Something, something's a foundational. And what, when, when you talk about the size and power of a government, the, the power of a government to step in and say, you got to take down a cross that's a war memorial. Or a statue. That, or a statue. Or this is what we're fighting against, this big government. This big government is calling me and you, because we're white, they're calling us a racist. Because we're, I, I don't know, are we white nationalists? I'm a patriot. I love this country. You fought for this country you for 21 years. We fought. In combat, I saw Americans die for this country. We did things for this country that I worry when I go to sleep at night, am I going to lose my place in eternity? These are things we think about because we did what we did for this country and we have a president that's calling us racist or calling us nationalist or whatever as if that's a bad thing. I'm not a racist. And I am, certainly am a nationalist. I love my country. You love our country. I mean, I, I, and I love my heritage. I'm Scottish, so I wear a kilt. There you go. You know, <laughs> and you know when I run into these idiots, and, and I, I I don't like saying that lightly. You know, it used to be common sense, and, and it's gone. It's lost. It's, it's not, lost. It's not common anymore. No. And so when I, I run into these people and they start spouting this stuff, they start saying that you're, you're racist or you're, or you're homophobic or you're, or you're this or that, then I just, I just use the same words back on them. I go, oh, you just assumed my race. And they're like, well, no, you, I, I can tell you. No, you can? You did a DNA test? You know what my race is? You don't know what my race is. You don't know anything about me. And, and, and they start backpedaling, you know, and then, they'll, well, listen here, you, sir, Oh, whoa, you just assumed my sexuality? You just assumed my pronouns? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing there? Don't and, even bring up pronouns. And, I, and, I, and so I start throwing that back at them. And, and they're like, well, you have a beard. You can't be. And I go, really? You never heard of the bearded woman at the circus, at the freak show? <laughs> I, 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 I practiced a few of these things a few times at home so that when I'm out and, and they say this stuff, I can just nail them right back. And they start backpedaling because they don't, they don't know what to do. Because when you use it against them, they're not ready for that. They're ready to go on the offensive and make you apologize and make you feel bad and make you backstep well, and, that's and shut true. up. We're and under so, the, so, the country is under attack. It is. Yes. And so the thing is, is you got to put them on their back heel. You got to push them back so that they're feeling how it is yeah. to be on the receiving end of something that is so absurd that, well, that you can't, they can't explain what a woman is. You know, I, I, a birthing person. What the, What is a birthing person? It, it has to be a person who was born with an XX chromosome and has a womb. There's nothing else other than a woman that can do that. You can't be a man and change anything. You can't be a man and have a surgery. And so have, wait a minute. You just defined a woman. Now, this newest member of the um, Supreme K- Court, K- <laughs> K- Katanji Brown, she could not define a woman because she's not a biologist. Right. And yet you just did. Wow, well, I, I, I'm I, impressed. Well, you could run for the Supreme Court. <laughs> maybe you it's, may be maybe, more maybe, it's, maybe it's because both my parents were doctors. <laughs> and so, you know, at an early age, before all this stuff happened, I learned what a woman was and what there a boy was and a man was and what the differences were. 
you know. And are they trying to tell us there is no difference anymore? It's so homogenic. Is that you know, man, woman, you know, boy, girl, all of that? It's all the same. It's all you know, anybody can no, claim anything, and you anybody. can't prove it one way or the other because there's no definitions for anything anymore. So yeah, you can they can do whatever they want. You know, like you just said, I, I do not want to be defensive about anything and and you know to, to me you said it in in a different way to me the best defense is is an offense a yes. strong offense yes and i want to go at them and and here i am frustrated because you know we, we vote for republicans and god knows look it's it's a it's a team sport and i understand that there's two parties in this country uh, i always say there's two parties in this country. One is evil and one is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and we're just stuck with that. But they're more than stupid. In, in my opinion, they're too weak. They don't understand how important it is to do just exactly what you said. Not to be defensive. Not to say, wait a minute, we didn't do anything wrong. Wait a minute, we, we, we didn't. No. At them for what they did, for what they did in Afghanistan, for what they're doing at the border, for what they're doing about about. Crime. The, what they're doing about saying def, def, defund the police. We should be, now that we have the majority in Congress, we should be impeaching Joe Biden. We shouldn't hesitate. We should be going we after them. And Lock, stock, and yo-yo, man. The Just, reason? Yeah, the, the reason? reason I, I, you know, there have been previous presidents and previous elected officials that have obviously done things wrong. And the last one that got held responsible, held accountable, was Nixon. Okay. Watergate. Okay. He, he, he was done. Since then, they've all done stuff. We but, all make mistakes. But the thing is, is, is now they've realized that if we take out one side, if one side takes out the other, the next turnaround, when the coin flips and, and the other side is in power, they're all going to be kicked out. Well, they just did that to Donald Trump. I know. They impeached him twice. I know. Each time he but was. But the thing was, is he he was not a part of the system. He, that's, he stepped well, for in. The, but for whatever reason. So he. The, 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 the first time it was because of the, 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 the uh, Russia gate, you know, and they, they had, you yeah. know, the, the two the years. The dossier of, of. Exactly. Two years. Paid that. The for second by, time, by another party. The, the second time was a, was a phone call. I yeah. mean, it, it was both bogus. But now look, we all make mistakes. Every president makes mistakes. Yeah. I wouldn't take. I wouldn't have taken uh, the peanut farmer. What's his name? You know, President um, whatever, <laughs> Jimmy Carter. I, he made a mistake. He made mistakes. They were bad mistakes. They were horrible yeah. mistakes. But they were mistakes. Yeah. What What Joe Biden has done? These aren't mistakes. What he's done at the border. The hundreds of thousands, how many died of fentanyl in the last two years? How many have died of drugs? How many How many people, how many sex slaves are there? Labor slaves are there? What he did in Afghanistan, that alone, these are impeachable offenses. Look, impeachment, high crimes and misdemeanors. You know what that means? It means whatever's, whatever you do that's wrong, a high crime, all the way to a misdemeanor. A misdemeanor, your demeanor is how you carry yourself. Yes. A misdemeanor is like you've carried yourself wrong. It's not, it's not I, that I, high I, a crime. I, yeah, and but, I know all that because that was my job in the Marines. I was law right. enforcement. I was so, a criminal investigator. So here's a president that has committed everything from high crimes to misdemeanors. Yes. And he's done it and he keeps on doing it. He keeps on lying about it. Well, we don't, that's different. I, I, I'll, I'll say one thing in his defense. 
I actually don't think he's lying because he's not competent. No, I, I disagree. All these people keep saying, oh, Joe Biden, oh, he falls down the steps. Oh, he can't put two he's words had, together. He's had, he's had how many aneurysms? Yeah, he's but you surgery. know what? He changed the world. He changed the country. <laughs> he has given, yeah. he has taken the world where the United States under Donald Trump was, was dictating terms to China where he was keeping Russia at bay. Russia would never have invaded Af uh, 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 Ukraine. Well, even before, even before Trump. I mean, but, they, but the Russia didn't do anything Trump, under, under they, anybody else. Neither did China. Yeah. But then Biden comes in, he changed the world. Yeah. He took away our ability to be energy independent and made us totally dependent on Saudi Arabia, yeah. on Venezuela. He's on Russia. And, uh, yeah, but he also he's, he's also allowed us to come right to the edge of World War Three. We are funding the beginning of World War Three by what we're doing in the Ukraine. We don't even know where the money's going. All we want to do is get an accounting of where the money's going, and we can't do it. This is an impeachable yep. offense. And the Republicans are just sitting there saying, "Okay, let's go after Hunter Biden." Well, that's good. Okay, well, let's. Like I said, the reason is. Every one of those guys in, in D.C., that swamp, have all done impeachable offenses. And so the, the Democrats and the Republicans, the two parties, they're in cahoots. And that's why they both went after Trump, because he wasn't a part of the system. And they don't want somebody who's not a part of the system in there, because I, then it'll expose everything I that they're doing. I get that. But right now, we have a president that is tearing this country apart, yep. bringing this country to its knees to communist China. We have a, a a communist in this country, and a lot of them, this Democrat Party is the home of Marxist communism. I mean, yep. that's who they are. That's what they're trying to bring. To, they want our economic system to be communist. When, when they talk about racism and, and they, they use the term, what's the, what's the term? Everybody should have the same. And equity. Equity. That's, that's communism. Oh, yeah. Well, we need to stand up and fight that with everything we have. That's what, you know, you and I, we fought for this country under the worst conditions in war. We're back. I God bless you for what you're doing because you're still fighting in people. There's no one shooting at you. There's no IEDs. There's nobody. And and you know it's 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 a, a, a I want everybody, everybody that ever fought for this country under the conditions we fought under to come back to America and say, wait a minute, let's let's fight for this country today. And many are. You talk about Marcus Luttrell, Morgan Luttrell, his twin twin brother, yep. just got into Congress. Now, he's a brainiac. He wasn't only a, a Navy SEAL. He's a brain doctor. He's, a, he's amazing. And thank God he's in Congress. So many of the others who, who are in there. And I want to see more veterans. And, and in Pennsylvania, there are two senators. Neither of them are competent or in office. Well, when you talk about incompetence, John Federman, Federman I mean, that guy is the definition of incompetence. He, we, he just checked himself into a, a psych ward because he, he's freaking he's, having a stress attack. He's and, the other one, and the other one, I can't think of his name, but he's also in the hospital. So neither of them, neither senator from the state of Pennsylvania is in D.C. representing the state of Pennsylvania right now. No, There's no representation there. It's sad. It's, it's very sad that we've allowed, we've allowed this to happen in America. But we have a, a John Fetterman, really, in the United States Senate? How does this happen? I mean, it, 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 it's, look, I, you know, I love this country. I know you love this country. I, I've been to the Far East, the Middle East, Europe. I haven't been to South America. I haven't been to Africa. And I haven't been to the Caucasus, Russia. 
but I mean, other, all the other countries. And every time I go somewhere else, it reminds me and shows me how great our country is. And then to hear people say that this is a horrible place and that this is terrible and that we're, we're racist or we're this or we're that. And, I, and I'll ask them and I'll be like, where have you gone? Where have you visited? Where, where have you worked? What other countries have you been to? And they're, they're all oh, nowhere else. So how do you know? How, how can you tell me that that, this, that is better than this? Well, it's, it's obvious. I go, no, it's not obvious to me because I've been there. You know, I went to the Philippines for training and back in the 80s, the, the national wage for a yearly wage for a person back in the 80s was $25 a year. Yeah. You know, and people sit there and go, oh, we're, these people have to have a living wage. You have to have fair trade. You know, they have to be, <laughs> they have to be reimbursed for what they've done. And I go, under whose standard? Because if you say that they have to be re- reimbursed under the American way of life, get $15, $20 an hour, that's more than the person's making a year over there. It's not going to happen. That's not fair trade for them. They don't, they're making these items and, and for them, a dollar for the month, $2 for the month is good. They can live fine off of that. That's their country because that's, that's their economy. And, you know, they're like, oh, but they, you know, that's all wrong. And I go, no, it's not. You don't, you don't know because you've never been there. You haven't seen how the country is. But they also have free elections. They also have a, basically a, a, a Democrat. You know, because of the United States. Because of the United States. But, you know, if you go to Vietnam or, or, or Cambodia or Laos, if you go there, it's not a free country. It's been taken over by the communists. We yep. allowed it. We, we allowed it by leaving there. And in 1972 and in 1975, instead of doing what we said we were going to do with the Paris Peace Accords and support them and give them give the South Vietnamese what they needed to keep fighting, we, the, the Congress at that point, you know, under Gerald Ford was president, the Congress said, Not, you know what, too bad, I don't care what we said, I don't care what we promised. So you can accuse Nixon of what you wanted. What about that Congress oh, yeah. that, that said, oh, we're going to ban them? And then you got Nike going to, you know, use that slave labor in Vietnam yep. to produce all this stuff. And then, you know, that's that's all you see. Look at the look at the NBA right now, producing all this stuff, spending all this time, making all this money in China, selling out America by doing that. By the way, you're riding to Rolling to Remember this year, Memorial Day in Washington, D.C. Yep, I'm riding down from New York City yeah. or from New York State down to D.C. Um, and I'll get down there a little bit early and I will do some some sightseeing and, and go to some sites down there. Uh, a friend of mine who lives here in San Diego is also riding out. They do the ride to the wall. So it's a different event, but it's the right. same purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Run I'm, for the wall. I'll, Absolutely. I'll, I'll meet them uh, at the uh, the Lincoln Memorial. Um, I go down to Quantico, Virginia, because the museum's there. Every year they put in new new displays at the, U- the Marine Corps Museum. Marine Corps Museum. Uh, they're working on the, the OIF, OEF, uh, war on terrorism wing and uh, just overseeing it as, as it was being built there's a spot inside where you could look over it you couldn't go in it but I mean it just looks amazing they've got an F-18 hanging from the ceiling inside the building yeah. they've got an artillery piece 150 millimeter uh, uh, artillery piece in there cannon and you know I'm looking down at a building and it looks like the rooftop that I could have been on when I was in Iraq because it's just so realistic. Uh, you go into the Vietnam section, the, the area that you were in, and the room is warmer. So when you walk into the building, it's air conditioning. But when you walk into the <laughs> Vietnam wing, yeah. it's warmer. So you get a it, you get this actual sensation of a temperature is, change. Is it also weather? Because it's not, it's I, because not, I, we went through the monsoons over there, baby. It, you, you can't <laughs> you can't get it that wet. 
And then, you know, you go out of there and you go in, you go into the next session, the, the Korean War. And so now you've oh. gone from a warm area and the Korean War section, you know, it's just a, a degree yeah. or two difference. Yeah. But you notice that it's colder. Yeah. And, you know, uh, so, so I mean, the, the museum is amazing. And the outside, the grounds, a lot of people don't notice this because, you know, they, they go into the museum and they see these displays. You walk in and there's a World War II Amtrak sitting there and there's hanging from the ceiling is a, a Corsair and an and a, a M34 helicopter all, you know, hang, hanging from the ceiling also. So, you know, you see this, you walk in and it's that shock and awe. You're just, wow. But outside, about, they've got statues, they've got walkways, they've got areas to do. Talk about shock and awe before we wrap it up. Okay. I want to talk about January 6th. I went to... I obviously I went to Washington for January sixth. I was protesting what what I thought then, and I think now it was a fixed election. Now, Bar, you came down from Albany with what seven buses full of people. My buddy Mike Warnock came from New Jersey with about five my, or six my, buses. My, my particular group was two buses. Two buses, but there were there were other buses from the area that I that I knew were coming down. So there, yeah, there was a total of seven buses just from now, our area. Now this was not an insurrection. We came down to Ellipse Park to demonstrate how much we believed that this election was fixed. That was it. It was a demonstration. I remember seeing you there. I got a call from Warnock after, you know, President Trump stopped speaking and we started walking out of Ellipse Park going towards, you know... That's when we actually saw each other. That's and the whole said. time we'd only been standing maybe ten, 20 ten feet, feet apart. Away. But it, it was we couldn't like see a, each other. It's like a sardine can. It was, it was wall-to-wall people. The yeah. whole place was packed. Yeah. And, and so we met there um, and the people that I was basically chaperoning and overlooking because none had been in the military, none knew anything about law enforcement. Um, one of the people had their young 10-year-old son with them. Right. And, you know, if you're going to go try and throw over the government, you're going to, you're not going to bring a 10-year-old kid. No. <laughs> you know. And pe- these are people who were just, some of them were older in their 40s and I had, 50s. I had two people in my group that were in their 60s. There you go. Um, and, you know, so I was there trying to keep them safe. And, you know, I know it was was D.C., and so so I'm like, okay, it's going to be Washington, D.C. We're going to be in and out of all these buildings, government buildings. I don't own any weapons, but I know that I wouldn't be bringing a weapon would not be welcome. It would not be a good thing to do. So I didn't. And so nobody else had any weapons. Nobody, no, I didn't see anybody, you know, running around trying to take over the government and do what they said. And so uh, we had one younger guy who's in his 20s, and he was you know, just bouncing around like a puppy. And so we left, you went and got dinner, and we kept on to the Capitol. Well, I had gotten a call from my friend Warnock, who was a retired uh, Port Authority cop. Yep. And he called me, he was with his wife and kids at the Capitol, and he said, Mike, you got to get back. Don't don't go to the Capitol. Yeah. It's, a, it's a cluster, it's a mess. They didn't set up a perimeter. Yep. This whole thing was a setup. Yes. Ellipse Park, they were, there was no medical, there was no fire, there was no ambulance, there was nothing. No no safety for anybody at all. No consideration for yep. people. They were hoping that people would get stepped on and trampled. And exactly. Hurt. They didn't know what was going to go on at the Capitol. They were hoping they that some people. National Guard. That, that's right. They, they refused the National Guard. Antifa was there yep. in mass. We all saw them yep. encouraging people, go in the Capitol, go in there, do this. And some idiots followed them. Yep. And listen to them, but it wasn't any kind of an incursion. It wasn't a takeover so the country. When we split and you you left, yeah, the group I was with, we 
went on to the Capitol. And so we're going along and I've got pictures from that day where I'm taking pictures of us walking along, a video of us walking along and the street is blocked off so we can walk down the street to the Capitol without any problems. Police officers are lining the street. They use dump trucks to stop traffic, to cross traffic so we could walk down the street. And as we're going, at least half the people were thanking the police officers for being there, for right. keeping us safe, right. for, for organize, you know, keeping It was cold things, too. It was cold and, and keeping things organized so there wasn't, you know, this crazy mass mayhem going on. And so as we're walking, uh, having been in law enforcement, I hear a loud bang from the, where the Capitol is. And I can't tell where it occurred, but it was from the direction of that. And I'm like, that wasn't a good sound. That sounded like a flashbang. And so I'm like, okay, I'm now, now my senses of, are, are now heightened a little bit more. And as we're going there, we're getting closer and the police presence is waning. There's less and less police officers as we get closer and closer to the Capitol. And I'm like, this is really strange. There's no more police presence. Right. And we get to the corner and there's the reflection pond in front of the Capitol. And you can see the reviewing stands were set up for the inauguration. And we're walking up and, and a lot of the cars had been removed from the area. People weren't allowed to park there. And it's just this slow walk of people going over. Nobody's running, nobody's rushing, nobody's jostling anybody. But it's just this constant wave of people walking that way. And like I said, I've got two older people. I've got a, a little boy with us, a woman, this hyperactive 20, 20-ish kid. <laughs> I'm trying to keep them all, you know, I'm herding these cats together, trying to keep them safe. And I see that there, there's some cars parked just before the Capitol. And, I, and so I pull them in between two cars so that if there is a mass rush or something happens and you have to get out of the way of a stampede, we're protected between the two cars. And so now I can assess the area. And I always call them the bicycle racks because they're the barricades that look like bicycle racks and they interconnect with each other. And they're, you know, waist high. They, they don't stop anything unless, unless somebody's on the other side preventing somebody from crossing them, preventing somebody from removing them. And we get there and I'm looking at the Capitol and I've been there for the inauguration and there was, you know, 20 foot high fences and there's security and there's checkpoints and there's police everywhere and there's snipers on the roofs and, you know, yeah, everything. Yeah. And there's none of that there. And the police, the, these bicycle barricades were knocked over and people were walking through. And I'm like, ooh, that's really not good. And so we're stopped between the cars and, and, and I look up and I can see the reviewing stand and I can see people in the reviewing stand. And I'm going, oh, that's really not good because now Secret Service, the police and everybody are gonna have to go back through that area, clear it, make sure that there's no contraband, there's no nothing in there that shouldn't be there so that it's safe when the president comes out. And this is, this is my concern. The president is going to be inaugurated there and he has to be safe. I understand that I'm there because I don't think the election was right, but I don't want anybody to be harmed in this transition. Right. And so I'm going, well, that's really not good. And this, like I said, this young kid, he's bouncing around. He wants to run up there. And I'm like, no, this is not, that, that is not a place to go. There's something wrong. This is not where you want to go. Right. And then, you know, more people went up and, and now you could see them actually entering the building, you know, from the distance, you could see that they're getting into the building. And, I'm, and that actually didn't make me nervous because having been to DC so many times and having had access to my elected officials, going in and see Gillibrand, going in and seeing Tonko into their offices. All I had to do was make sure, once again, no weapons, present my ID card, go through the metal detector, get my pass, 
go up to see my representative. I was used to doing that in DC. I was used to doing that in New York. I was used to doing it here in California. So seeing people go into an elected, our building, it's our building, there are our elected officials. Seeing them go into these buildings, actually that wasn't a concern for me because I know it's legal. Right. And it was, it was a day where people could do that. And so right. that actually didn't concern me until later when I got home and all of a sudden it's, they broke in, they, 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 they stormed the Capitol, they, you know, and I'm like, no, that, this is our building. This was legal for us to do. They were, they were being checked in by security, you know, and then the, then the whole story just started spinning and being turned and flipped. And I'm like, so, you know, in Seattle, Washington, where they were throwing Molotov cocktails at the police station and, you know, attacking police officers and burning vehicles, that wasn't an insurrection. That wasn't a riot. That wasn't dangerous. But me walking from a speech to the outside of our capital, safely, sanely, and not committing any crimes and not committing any damage was an insurrection. No weapons. And I'm like, I want to, wow. I want to wrap it up. But we're not going to be able to talk about gunning clause. You're a big deal. And I, and I, and I love that. And I apologize. But you know, this isn't going to, well, we could talk about gunning clause. Gunny Claus, just a little bit. A lot of the Toys for Tots, the Marine Corps Toys for Tots, you dress up, you wear your red outfit, the whole thing, your DI hat and, and everything else, and you, you spend so much time collecting toys and bringing toys to kids for Christmas all over the place. You're known as Gunny Claus. If you ever see this big, tall, strong-looking, bearded dude dressed up in this red Marine Corps outfit looking like Santa's... I guess you're not trying to be Santa. You're trying to be Santa's helper, right? And that's and that's awesome. But I, I, I and we're not going to get to talk about. It. We'll do it again. But I, I do want to say, my friend Uno, who also came here, he came in from Texas. Yep. He was in the Air Force, Tac P, like I was, yep. and his son is a United States Marine. Yep. And what I find very interesting about that, it, it, it's great. The kid's been in the Marine Corps for three years now. Yep. Great kid. I love talking to him. I so appreciate Uno being here, a good friend. Uh, you never met them before. Nope. But he named his son Caden after his interpreter in Iraq. And, I, and I'm, I'm going, wow. And he said, yeah, his interpreter was killed and he wanted to memorialize him. And his name wasn't quite Caden, but right. it was like the emergent, that. The American version the of The American of version name, yeah. of that. And then we talked about that for a little bit. Yep. There's an awful lot of what we've done around the world coming back to America in that way. Yep. And here's this kid. I don't know how you felt, but I, I loved talking. He was a quiet kid. He was quiet and he was pleasant, but he was a Marine. Yeah. And I just think that's, it, it makes me feel like, yep, there's going to be a what future. What Mike won't say. Yeah. Okay, this is what Mike doesn't say. He, he says how this kid is a great Marine, standing there tall. Yes, wonderful. S could tell immediately he was a Marine. But he's standing there, and he wasn't ready for the rain. So what do you do, Mike? You go to your car, oh. you get your jacket, and you give it to this kid because he's standing out there in the cold in the rain. So that's only because my wife... <laughs> who got umbrellas for everybody, also said, you better bring some warm stuff. And if it's waterproof, the, the better, because there's going to be some people who need it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, all, it's all about Petrina at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. And she, she did a great job. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for being my friend. Well, I wouldn't be here if she, if she hadn't invited me and told me about it. 
That's, and when she did, I said, of course, I'll be there. I got, I'll, I'll do move mountains to make it. That's awesome. Yep. God bless you, man. Oh, thank you Thanks. so much. Hey, I'm New York Mike. Thanks for listening to Rolling. I got to say my, my catchphrase. Yeah. Some Marines get a little bit upset because it's Semper Festivus. <laughs> I stole it from Jerry Seinfeld, so if he wants to sue me, come at me. <laughs> and the other one is Gung Ho Ho. Gung Ho Ho. He is... He is Gunny Claws. You got to remember that, and that's the big that's the big thing. We're going to talk about Gunny Claws maybe next year, closer to Christmas, because DC. I know you, you do so much in DC. DC. Yeah, let's get together in DC and do another podcast. Well, hey, you guys got something to look forward to out there. There we go. Thanks for listening, and thanks so much for subscribing. I'm New York Mike, and I'm me and Bar. We're out. Thanks for listening to Rolling with New York Mike. Listen, follow, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts to keep this podcast rolling.